In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. As many of you know, a group of us St. Michael ladies just returned from hiking the final leg of the Camino de Santiago in Spain. There was a lot of excitement about making this pilgrimage, which is one of the most famous and ancient of Christian treks. But the thought of it was also a little daunting. We would be walking many miles day after day through an area with which we were unfamiliar in another country. And while most of us are in good shape and can get through a day hike just fine, we did wonder how difficult it would be to get up and walk 13 or 14 miles every day for a week. And so we devised a plan to train for the Camino hike. Starting nine months before our trip, we began regular walks as a group. We started with just one hour of hiking. Then we increased it to two hours. Then we began hiking a set distance, seven miles, nine miles, 12 miles. As we did so, we began wearing our backpacks and using our hiking poles. All of this was to help build up our hiking muscles so that when we got to the actual Camino, we wouldn't be overwhelmed. And it worked. Our training for months leading up to our pilgrimage not only prepared us physically for the demands of the journey, but it solidified our relationships with one another as pilgrims on the way. I thought of this as I read our gospel passage for today. The disciples, as you know, left jobs and families and homes to follow Jesus. They have taken up his peripatetic lifestyle, following him from town to town as he teaches and heals. They've given up the security of knowing where their next meal is coming from, of knowing how tomorrow will unfold, of knowing where they'll lay their head to sleep. And so, at this point of the story, the disciples are probably feeling pretty good about themselves. They've been able to hang with what it means to be committed to this whole Jesus thing. And Jesus has even deputized them. He has sent them out to preach good news to the villages in the area, giving them power and authority to heal and cast out demons. All in all, it looks like they're living into this life of faith thing fairly well. But then we get to chapter 17, and Jesus amps it up a notch. He dismisses those who would take care of family responsibilities or say their goodbyes before following him. He challenges would-be followers to count the cost of being a disciple, which includes carrying your cross and giving up your possessions. And just before our passage for today, Jesus leans in and tells the disciples, if things get messy, you better hope you're not the cause. It would be better to hang a big stone around your neck and drop you in the sea for than you to cause someone else to stumble. And if someone sins against you, no matter what they do, even if they do it seven times a day, if they repent, you have to turn back to them. You have to forgive them. Well, no wonder the disciples feel overwhelmed. They're just starting to get comfortable with the level of sacrifice they've already made to be a follower of Jesus. And now they're being asked to supersize it. It just doesn't seem fair. 
And so in their frustration, they throw up their hands and ask Jesus, increase our faith. It is a cry for help. But Jesus' response doesn't feel helpful. Instead of soothing and reassuring the disciples, he basically tells them to man up. If you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could command that trees be uprooted and tossed in the sea. Faith is not like the dials on my stove. It doesn't go from simmer to warm to hot. Faith is more like a light switch. It's either on or off. You either have it or you don't. And this is, I think, the point that Jesus is making. It's not a matter of me giving you more faith, he says. It's a matter of you exercising the small faith you already have. It may come as a surprise to us because we so often use faith as a noun. But in many other languages, faith is primarily understood as a verb. In the original Greek, the word used is pistuo. Pistuo means I faith. I faith, you faith, he, she, it faiths. Now, because in English we really don't have a word that directly corresponds to this, we translate it as I believe. I find this to be problematic because faith and belief are not the same things. And our treating them as if they are is part of why I don't think we always know what faith looks like. Faith is not adhering to a set of beliefs handed down by tradition. It is not intellectual assent to a collection of doctrinal or dogmatic statements. Faith is the living, breathing relationship that we have with God. Faith is not something we possess. It is an activity, a never-ending movement in trust toward the God who constantly seeks us out. Faith has everything to do with verbing and very little to do with nouning. And I think the disciples get this in their own way. It's not that they don't understand or accept the challenge of discipleship. It's that they doubt their ability to live into it, to verb it, to do it. And we may very well find ourselves in the same place. We want to be good Christians, good disciples, but we doubt our ability to live in to the demands of that discipleship. We wonder what we've signed up for, and we don't think we're up to the task. But faithing doesn't require us to do the spectacular or heroic. When we feel overwhelmed by what we think God is asking of us or expecting of us, we need to slow down, take a deep breath, and realize that God is not generally asking us to do big, difficult things that upend our worlds. He is generally asking us to do the small, faithful things right in front of us. He asks us to be regular in worship, to give our time and energy in ministries, to participate in regular spiritual practices of prayer and study that deepen our understanding of God and our relationship with Him, to grow our connections with one another as this particular people of God 
and to give financially in a sacrificial way that we might further God's work among us and in our community. He's asking us to be a little more kind, a little more patient, a little more generous, and a little more gracious. And with each step we take in this direction, our faith gets a little stronger and the road gets a little easier. We've introduced some things this fall to help us exercise our faith as a congregation. For the last month, we've been using our grace journals to help train ourselves to see signs of God's grace all around us. And this month, we're being challenged to move a step deeper, to move beyond simply noticing God's grace, to giving thanks, expressing gratitude for the many ways He blesses us and our loved ones and our lives. You can move into this deeper work seamlessly because halfway through your grace journal, you're going to see that it becomes a gratitude journal, just waiting for you to record all for which you are grateful that day. This month, we're growing a gratitude tree on the ambulatory window. Each Sunday, we're inviting you to fill out a leaf at one of the stewardship tables in the common areas with something for which you are grateful. We'll be attaching these leaves to our gratitude tree, watching it bloom throughout the month. Faith isn't an idea, it's a muscle. And the more we use that muscle, the stronger it gets. Just like our group did over months as we prepared to hike the Camino, you can build this muscle through training, increasing your endurance and stamina. So as we enter that season in the life of our congregation, when we intentionally consider how we will serve God through St. Michael with our time, our talent, and our treasure, let's get out there and strengthen our mustard seed faith such that we not only entrust all possibilities to God, but we're willing to take on our small part in getting us there. Instead of worrying about the size of our faith, perhaps we need to just take that first step and get on with living it. Amen.